brotherhood. It's powerful. It'll change your life. And isolation is also powerful. And it will change your life the other way. <laughs> We're going to talk to an amazing best-selling author today, Jim Ramos, on the Manlyhood Mancast. Men, this is your chance to strive for greatness, to be all you can be, to make your mark on history, your chance to improve and sharpen yourself, to grapple with your weaknesses and turn them into strength. Welcome to the Manlyhood Mancast with Josh Hatch. We've got something exciting coming up on December 16th at 7 p.m. If you are anywhere near Bradford, Pennsylvania, which is where I'm from, we've got uh, a guy that's coming in. He's actually coming in to do an interview on the podcast, and in the process, uh, we connected him with our church. He's going to be at Open Arms Church. His name is Sam Childers. If you've ever seen the movie Machine Gun Preacher, starring Gerard Butler, the movie was made about his life. He was... Uh, Hard-living guy, met Jesus, and then decided to go and free children from warlords in Africa. And so, yeah, this guy is an amazing guy with an amazing story. It's going to be uh, put on by my men's group, which is Tribe of Lions, but also we're going to promote it here at Manlyhood because, again, he's going to be on the podcast soon, and we want to just let you know. So that's December 16th, 2023 at 7 p.m. at Open Arms Church. This is the Manlyhood Mancast. Guys, today's guest, Jim Ramos, is a best-selling author. He's known for his amazing podcast, which I think is actually the number one Christian men's podcast in the world, uh, called the Men in the Arena podcast, which uh, is kind of based off of the the quote from Theodore Roosevelt, which I'm sure you guys have heard here on our podcast and other places before. But Jim Ramos is an amazing guy, and today we're going to talk about uh, brotherhood. We're going to talk about what it means to lead your family, uh, how to become a better man, and we're going to talk a little bit about barbecue <laughs> uh, and how barbecue can bring men together. So it's a great conversation, and uh, make sure that you check out Jim Ramos. Uh, the link, uh, links to his information and his website and his podcast and his books will be in the show notes. Hey, Jim. It's great to have you on the show today. Thanks for joining us, man. Hey, man, I really appreciate it. It's always good to be with you, man. Yeah, we've had uh, some pretty cool conversations in the past couple of years. So uh, I was excited to be able to be on uh, Men in the Arena podcast, and you're doing amazing work there, man. I really appreciate the work you're doing. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Awesome. Yeah, so I, I actually catch it pretty frequently because I uh, there's a lot of the podcasts that are out there for men are, I mean, like our podcast is not specifically for Christian men, but I do talk about my faith a little bit, and I, a lot of my guests talk about their faith. Uh, but in the quest for a Christian men's podcast, uh, a lot of them end up being so deep in the weeds in a theological camp sometimes, you know? I'm like, uh, I, don't, yeah. I don't have time for that. I don't have time for that. And, you know, in the communities that kind of grow out of them, you know, the, the Facebook groups and everything else, it's they spend half their time arguing over a theological issue that people smarter than them have been arguing for 2,000 years. So it's kind of refreshing, <laughs> the Men in the Arena podcast. That's not what it's about. Try to, we try to target uh, guys who are living in the stress bubble, who are raising kids, they're married. Uh, our target is Christian guys. So everything we do is targeting uh, how to help a Christian guy living in the stress bubble become his best version. And our digital marketing and collaboration gal, said, I went back to our your podcast from six years ago, and you have never changed. You're staying in that lane, and you don't veer. And yeah. I think that's what's made our podcast Spotify's number one podcast for Christian men, is that we just don't veer off to into political realms. Or, you know, we try to talk about Jesus, period, not Jesus plus. Right, right. Because a lot of people do that. You know, they like yeah. to add everything else to it and make it all about their opinions or their ideas when that's really not what matters. For sure, for sure, yeah. <laughs> So um, I have 
like I said, I've really enjoyed listening to the podcast that you're creating. One, because it's practical advice that I can apply to my life. Uh, two, because you guys have a good time. <laughs> yeah. Um, I really like the interviews that you've done and I've been, uh, you know, th those are actually my favorite, uh, cause, because you ask insightful questions. So, I mean, I know we're kind of plugging your podcast right off the bat, but I just want people That's to funny. know you and what you do because it's really good stuff. So. Yeah, the interview podcasts are really fun because I actually, like, I read two entire books on Thursday last week, one entire book yesterday, and when we interview guys that have read books, I've received their books, sometimes I don't get the books, so I have to figure out, you know, what their mojo is, but, uh, yeah, we go right out of the book, we quote the book, you know, because in that area, they're an expert, so we want to tap into that, and we want to honor the fact that they took a headlong dive into that resource, and so... Yeah, it's really good. We've got a guy on. I'm going to interview a guy uh, next week named Jeff Voth. He's got an organization called Cave Time, and he wrote a book called Serpent Crushers. And so uh, we're going to, you know, I read that book yesterday. We're going to talk about it. Yeah, I saw, uh, I think I saw somebody else sharing about Serpent Crushers, and I saw the, the, the cover, and I'm like, oh, that book looks really cool. I like it's it. It's more, I would call it, I, 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 you know, I read about 50 to 60 books a year. And so Jeff's written some really good books. He wrote Cave Time. He wrote uh, Defending the Feminine Heart. I would call this a booklet. It's uh, maybe, I don't know, 10,000 words. It's a small book. I mean, I read it in an hour. So that sounds kind of like my kind of book, actually. So. Yeah, it's really simple. It's really straightforward. He's got the same actionable items after each chapter. You know, I mean, it's kind of, it's more of a booklet or a long blog type of thing. But it's good. It'll be a fun interview. He's a great guy to interview. Yeah, if you, you can ever get him on your show. He's a great interviewer. He's a great communicator. Yeah, yeah. Send me uh, his info. I'll get him on. That'd be awesome. Got it. So before we started talking, I, you know, we had our little, you know, the the cordial thing that we always have when we start a conversation with our guests. And you started talking out the gate about something that made me really hungry because I haven't had lunch yet. So. <laughs> Why don't you tell me, uh, I mean, you were, you were talking about barbecue and serving the men, probably from your church, I'm, I'm assuming. So tell me about, about how you use barbecue. <laughs> oh, that's funny. So this isn't actually for my church. It's actually uh, what we, it's a gathering of local men. It's a church, it's a church service essentially for men. I, I use the word church service loosely. I've got past senior pastors coming to it. We had three senior pastors there last night. It's a gathering. We do a half an hour Bible, half an hour message, an hour long Bible study in table groups. So it's just a place guys can come and do small groups. And so we have this local gathering. And last night was a kickoff, and I barbecued twenty six racks of baby back ribs. We had Kansas style, whiskey style, and my own personal seasoning, Santa Maria style. So where I come from in San Luis Obispo, California, we have a back in the eighteen hundreds they would have roundups. They'd get the cattle in there, and then they would butcher cattle, and they a couple cattle, and they would pull off the cheapest cut off of that cow, and the cut was called a tri-tip. So the tri-tip cut on beef originated where I grew up, and then they would have a certain kind of seasoning they would use. It's I use it's like a three-one-one seasoning. It's a salt, granular, granulated garlic, uh, parsley, pepper, and then some cumin. They would barbecue these things over an open flame along with uh, ranch-style beans, which they would just throw meat in, and green chilies are really big in California, and then salsa, and they'd mix this stuff together, and they would have their sourdough bread and have these barbecues. So that's what uh, I like to do with the guys. I've got a trailer that has an 85-inch by 35-inch grill that I tow. I can tow, and I had probably, I don't know, I mean probably a quarter, quarter wood, and it takes about an hour and a half for the wood to burn down to coals once it gets down to coals. We threw those uh, 26 racks of ribs on, but my barbecue only holds <clears throat> 20 racks of ribs at a time. So we barbecue those racks of ribs, and we do a, a four-second fire. So I put my hand four inches above the grill. When I can hold it there for four seconds, that's when the fire is now a four-second fire. <laughs> we put the, the pork ribs bone down. We barbecue them over open flame for 30 minutes, flip them, and we cook them meat down, meat side down for 15 minutes, pull them, baptize them in red wine and let them sit in a cooler for 15 minutes. And then we cut them. And then while that's happening, we throw the bread on and I, and I do uh, uh, t 10 loaves of sourdough bread. And then we have a dipping pan that has about, I don't know, I'm just going to give you an estimate, 20 cubes of butter melted. And then we barbecue those 
sourdough loaves face down on the grill when they brown, we dip them in the butter, dip them, and then flip them and put them up on the uh, grill, let them brown there. Then we put Parmesan cheese and cut them. And it is uh, a phenomenal. And when you do that with a tri-tip, which I like to do often, you know, you can make a delicious sandwich out of it. And I call it a Portuguese sandwich because I'm Portuguese. And you dip it in the juices and put the steak. It's really good. So, yeah, we had 100 guys this thing last night, nearly 100. And there was not a piece of lettuce, nothing left over. In fact, by the time I came in to cook, all that there was to eat was a little bit of bread and, a, and ribs. <laughs> ah, that's awesome. They went nuts. So oh, yeah, they go crazy. Well, guys are videoing the thing because in Oregon, Oregon is where the Traeger was invented, right? Mm-hmm. So everybody up here smokes their meat and, and or they use a grill, but this is a barbecue, and I and I think and I tell people a barbecue is different than anything else because a barbecue is open flame. If you don't have open flame, it's a smoker, it's a grill, it's a charcoal Weber, you know. But this is a barbecue. <laughs> so, so usually, if I'm making ribs. Uh, I go low and slow, right? So you're starting them, they're raw when you put them on that high, you're heating them fast, right? Well, so it's really funny. I was doing a barbecue because I've got a smaller version. I've got two smaller versions of the of my trailer barbecue. And I was cooking for, I'm a chaplain for, a, for Linfield University's football team here in McMinnville. And I had some guys over for dinner and I had a pastor friend of mine over and I threw a couple racks of baby back ribs on. He said, well, why are you just not throwing those in on? I go, what do you mean? He said, well, man, it takes four hours to cook ribs. I go, what are you talking about? He goes, you can't cook. I go, how long? He said, how long is it going to take you? I said, about 45 minutes. He goes, you can't do that. I go, watch me. <laughs> he said, those are the best ribs I've ever had in my life. So when you're smoking meat, you want to get the crust on there. You want to get that layer, that smoke ring on there and all that stuff. Open flame, you're cooking over an open flame. There is no smoke ring. The smoke is rising into the meat. There's no smoke ring. It's just the flame browns the meat. So it's totally different. You get the, and then I, you know, we don't throw the meat on. It's got to be room temperature. It was the same principle in smoking meat. But yeah, it's the, the whole slow smoke thing. That's a smoking. That's why I say barbecue and smoking. They're totally different. Two different things. Yeah. That's awesome. All right. So the reason that you do this cooking obviously that you do this barbecuing because that's not the main thing you do but it sounds like no. it's something awesome that you do it but, is that, awesome. but that is something to help facilitate what i'm seeing that you do which is mentorship and discipleship yeah so tell me about that because that's the most important that's the real meat yeah i mean in our organization men in the arena we have you know we kind of look at our our strategic framework as a funnel so we want to move guys from outside the funnel down the funnel. So the biggest ring of that funnel that we want to get guys in is what we we try to inspire men by giving them a ton, offering them a ton of free resources. So we have, you know, we have 120,000 plus followers on TikTok, 70,000 on Instagram. We've got the podcast. We've got all sorts of things. We put out a video every, almost every day of the week. We put out a, some kind of training or teaching video trying to pull guys into our tribe, right? But really, that's not the end of all things. We recognize that if a guy is just a clicker or a you know, click a heart, click a thumb, click an arrow, you know, uh, uh, that he's not truly, truly engaging in what we would call a Christian community where he's locking arms with other guys. What we have found is the guys that really have substantial long-term life change are not those guys, but they're the guys who engage in Christian community. So we try to create a community uh, all around the world, you know, virtual communities via uh, Zoom uh, groups or local, we call them local teams with guys local in local communities, kind of like you did with your, your, uh, your uh, meal that you cooked recently. And with the thing we did last night, it's it, we had a hundred guys at this thing. They're from we are live. I live in a little rural town of about thirty five thousand people. Just a bunch of random guys around the area. They come for a barbecue. But next week we're starting a series, and it's a and I'll, it's a called Protector, a people to defend. And I'll, we'll preach from the Bible for thirty minutes, and then they will get into small group tables for an hour. So the focus is not the teaching. The focus is the small group community because that's where the the life change is happening. So we really believe in moving guys down that funnel because to that, to that area where they are, they are investing in themselves with other guys to grow 
as a follower of Jesus. Yeah. No, and, I... and honestly, as a man, we got guys coming that don't even really know what they believe, but they're men. Hey, this is these principles. This is what guys don't understand. The biblical principles are true whether you believe in Jesus or not. They're still true. So when I tell guys your wife is, is more important than your kids, that is a true statement. If I tell guys you need to you know, have balance between your work and your family, you need to go to your kids' games, you need to be involved in your community, those are all true statements, but they're actually come from the Bible. <laughs> so, right, right. Yeah. Yeah, so I have had similar experiences where, you know, I'm leading a small group of guys and, you know, it's a like a, a church gathering, right? You know, but there's guys that come along and they're like, I don't know if I believe in all that, but... I really appreciate what I'm learning here, you know, and a lot of guys get upgraded from atheist to agnostic or from <laughs> agnostic to believer in that process. You yeah. Know? But the, the point of it though, is we've got to be welcoming to people, even if they see those things differently and let's let God do the work, right? Like you don't have to, you don't have to force it down anybody's throat. There's just good, valuable truth. And you're right when you talk about this, cause like it's my experience that most guys don't want to be preached at. Yeah. For, you know what I mean? Like, and, and for whatever reason, the church, right? Churches in general have this tendency to really elevate that hour on Sunday morning, right? To this like whole holiest of holy places. And if I really look at my experience with being a Christian, the most valuable times in my life, the times when I really experienced something supernatural, something powerful, something holy, was more often than not eating with some friends, you know, yeah. having a discussion with some friends. And so I think, I think what you're doing is important because I think that's, that's probably a more important piece of the puzzle than just having a, a, a guy in a, you know, a shirt and tie tell me a bunch of things that I don't necessarily understand sometimes, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think there really is a place for, you know, you know, in Acts chapter two, they listen to the apostles teaching. I think there is a definite place for that. And I'm a big fan of the local church. I know there's a lot of criticism against her, but I'm a big fan in the midst of her flaws. But for me, you know, I read my Bible every morning. I pray. Uh, I can, I can worship online. When I go to, when I go to church, like this month, I went to four churches in four weeks. Three of them I spoke at. One of them was my church. <laughs> so uh, the church I attend. But what I live for is not the preaching and not the worship. I live for the 15 minutes before the service and the 15 minutes after. Because for me, it's all about reconnecting with the guys I love and the people in the church that I care about. So I really love that part of it. Uh, last, uh, What I didn't tell you, Josh, is that I had this barbecue. The barbecue uh, food was served at 7. I got there at about 3.45, and I had guys showing up at 4. And I had one of my Linfield football guys emailed me because his best friend just died in a plane crash the day before. He came over. I'd never met him before. He's a brand-new freshman on the team. We all we got together. We laid hands on him, prayed over this guy. I don't even know what he believes, but he just came for prayer, loved on him. And uh, we sat around the fire for like two and a half hours just talking. And it was funny that before the night even started, there were 85 guys, 80 guys around the fire just talking. And if I were to, if I were to, you know, be humble and be honest, I would say that was probably the best part of the night. Well, besides the food, you know, but that was that fellowship. These guys are in broken little groups of two and four and six, just talking. And see, that's what it's all about. And, and that's where men, and this is a truth of the Bible that men don't get that we are not good isolated. Mm-hmm. We are not made to be isolated. We need to be around other guys. And uh, and that that last night, that's what that did. It was really cool. So was it church? Uh, I would say absolutely yes, it was. Is Do I have a name for the church? Am I the pastor of the church? No. Right. <laughs> you know, it was technically a barbecue, but it was definitely church. Yeah, I love that. Uh, Jim, you mentioned this just a second ago, and I think it's worth expounding on, because uh, you said that we're not meant to be isolated. What does isolation yeah. do to somebody? Well, I'll tell you what I'm so Josh, I, you know, I've talked, I'm a hunter, right? I mean, if, if we were to, I mean, I can probably, you know, clearly I'm a hunter, right? I've got dead five or six dead deer in my office and I've got a pheasant right there. Anyway, I'm a hunter. So I hunt and the way that guys uh, successfully harvest game is they isolate it. So we just ended archery elk hunting season. And what we do is we try to 
call that elk acting like a hot a cow in heat. We try to cow that, call that elk away from the safety of his herd and kill him. Uh, that pheasant was killed when we were able. We jumped it and flushed it away from uh, its group and killed it. You know, this deer was actually with three does, but he was in the rut and he had ventured out of his safety and he was isolated. And he, we harvested that that buck. So, you know, and in First Peter chapter five, it says, be, verse eight says, "Be sober and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion." looking for someone to devour. And and what lions do when they prowl is they look for weakness, they look for uh, immaturity, and they look for isolation. And they that, that that's what they kill. They kill those that those weaker, weaker... Now, this is a critical phase here, Josh, a critical phrase. They kill those weaker animals that are smaller, weaker physically, sick, or isolated. So they're looking for something that they can they, that that will not be able to keep up with a herd, and that's the that's their target audience. And so when it, when we talk about men, that's that's the man who's in trouble. He's the man who is weak. He's weak because he's alone. Maybe he's a a, a sick in the sense that he's been wounded by somebody. He's bitter. He's resentful. Uh, he's he's a weaker because he's not locked arm with other men. And so the, when a guy is isolated from other people, for whatever reason, people that are like him, that care about him, that want him to win, he's in danger. Uh, he's in great danger. And so it's really important for us to let guys know, hey, man, if you are isolated and don't have any bros that you lock arms with regularly, man, you're, you're isolated and you're, you're in danger. Even if you're, it doesn't even matter what you believe. It, it doesn't matter what you believe. If you're isolated, you're in danger. If you're not getting advice or help or care from other bros, you're in danger of of, of hurting your marriage or hurting your children or ruining your career because you're staring at porn during work hours or whatever it may be. You know, so um, this is what we we really want to help guys find. You know, uh, other dudes that will be that will better them and that will lock arms with them. Yeah, I think that's really the key because, like, I know in my life the times that I've made the stupidest mistakes in my life, which there were some pretty stupid mistakes, it was always those times where I wasn't in a close relationship with guys who were unafraid to ask me the hard questions, right? Yep. You know, yep. like, like if you don't have people in your life who can say, hey, man, something's not right with you. Are you doing all right? Or, hey, are you still beating your wife? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I never beat my wife. I'm just giving an example, but yeah. You know, you got to have somebody that can ask you those questions because if not, you know, it's just surface. We put on this mask and then we pretend to be something we're not. And nobody knows because we don't let anybody in. We don't let anybody close. Nobody knows because nobody knows us. You know, when you know people, that when you're known, like you, I can, I can look at my wife and in t- two seconds go, okay, babe, what's going on? You know, and to have bros in my life that can say, hey, bud. What's going on? You don't, you're not looking the same. Tell me what's up. We need those guys, you know, desperately need those. And, you know, I hear this phrase all the time. You're the pro, some pro total of the f- five guys you're closest to. And I couldn't agree with that statement more. I just think it's, you know, we are the product of those people that we're associated with. If we're associated with nobody, well, we're the product of that too. So let's say that I'm a guy listening and I'm willing to admit, because that's the first step that most guys aren't, (laughs) but I'm willing to admit that I have not, that I am lonely, right? That I am isolated. What, where do I start? Because I know a lot of guys, for whatever reason, lack the skills that you need to make friends easily, right? And so to find those bros, they're like, I don't have anybody. Yeah. What do you tell that guy? Yeah, you know, first of all, it is really a, the first thing is probably to ask the question, like you said. The second thing is to realize it will take you to choose courage because you're going to have to step outside of your normal operating procedure to do something new. And so for me, what I believe, I believe that men are uh, missional in their default. Women are relational in their default. They will just, for a woman to find a group or to find a, they, they, they do that a lot easier than us. But we are missional. So I know for me personally, I take things I already enjoy and I try to link up with people that are like me in that area. Uh, if it's archery, I'll go to the archery course and, and link up with groups that are doing that. If it's fishing, I'll find a fly fishing group. Or 
if it's weightlifting, I'll go talk to the, you know, make friends with the gym owner and people who are weight weightlifting. Uh, I just really find my community uh, from a from an outside the church viewpoint in the hobbies that I enjoy the most. And and there's no excuse for a guy not to find that community. They're all over the place. You know, they're just everywhere. Especially you can even start online and then go from online to you know you know find local guys in your area and find those guys who are doing the things you do. And then in the church, you know, uh, for those guys who are Christian guys, I would say just you either need to start a group of your own or you need to find a group that's meeting. I know when I became a Christian, I was a, just graduated college. I was playing college football. You know, I was involved in, you know, several relationships that probably, well, they definitely weren't healthy and weren't based on what they should have been based on. And I remember letting go of that and moving back home. And the first thing I did is I found a church and I I was like, well, I'm an athlete, so I'm going to go find a church as a softball team. And that's what I did. The first thing I did, I joined the church softball team. And then I was instantly inundated with 15 dudes, and I was in community. So that's what I did, and that was I was alone. I didn't know anybody. I was a brand-new Christian. I mean, I had no clue what I was doing. I mean, I was – but I knew – I just knew that if I was isolated, I wouldn't make it. And I needed to find community. And so I think uh, it's pretty easy to find groups – uh, outside the church that we can at least lock arms with and build relationships. And I think also that uh, in the church, I, if the, well, if there aren't any in the church, I know my ministry, your ministry, I mean, I think a lot of groups out there offer community, albeit virtually, to guys that uh, want to lock arms with other people. I was in Colorado last week, Josh, at a speaking event, and I had, I had a, a couple guys showed up to a meetup I did well, they, I had a breakfast I spoke at, and they showed up to the breakfast. I mean, some, one of these guys drove two hours. I sh- he showed up at the breakfast, and then he met another guy in his virtual group that he'd never met before. They went to coffee. I had a lunch meeting with my publisher. On the way to the lunch meeting, I stopped and hung out with them for 15 more minutes, had my lunch, and then I had my meetup at 2 o'clock, and that same guy who, who drove two hours to the event at 8 o'clock in the morning to get it bre- to breakfast was at the meetup and stayed till four. So he was with me off and on from eight in the morning till four o'clock in the afternoon. And it was, and all of that originated on virtually. He was on a virtual team. So it is doable if you don't have anybody face-to-face local. Yeah. Yeah. I think if you are in, like, like you said, you're in the the men in the arena connections that you guys are doing there or with manlyhood with the manlyhood man cave. Yes. just reach out and say, Hey, look, I need to connect with somebody. Is there anybody here in Tucson, you know, and maybe there's somebody nearby that wants to, that's a great place to start. And like you said, with the church too, like, like we talked about this a little bit earlier, you know, if you are not a Christian, but you know that there's a church that has groups that are meeting that has guys that get together, just say, Hey, look guys, I want you to know, I don't necessarily believe in all the mumbo jumbo you believe in. We know that it's not that, but yeah, you might think that, right? If you're listening, you might think that. Um, I, I guarantee you that these guys are probably more accepting than you think. And if they're not, then that's probably not where you need to hang out, you know? But give mm-hmm. it a shot. What what's, The worst that can happen is they're trying to sell you something you don't want. But most of the time, what, they'll, what they will offer you is they will welcome you in, and they will care about you, and they'll be friends with you. So, you know, I mean, it's worth a shot. If you're lonely, there's no excuse to be lonely when there are people out there. Well, it's it's interesting because I remember going, driving home from college and joining this group. I wasn't lonely at all. Mm. I wasn't lonely, but I was alone. Right. So I mean, so isolation. I mean, a lot of guys love isolation. They <laughs> they love being alone. I mean, they're like, I'm not lonely. Are you kidding me? No, bro. But you're alone. <laughs> and if you're alone, I just I I'm firmly convinced that a guy cannot become his best self alone. He needs to, if, if that's the case, then his best self isn't that great. You know, I need to be around people who are better than me, who challenge me, who care about me, who are similar to me. And they will call me, uh, they will call me in to places I don't want to go. They will call me out when I'm being a jackass and they will call me up to a level I've never achieved without those guys in my life. And so that's super. And I, in fact, I met yesterday with a guy uh, we met for two hours, and that's what he does for me. He he has some uh, theological diff. He's theologically different than me, and it challenges me and encourages me and blesses me, and it causes me to think beyond my little box. Yeah, 
Exactly. So, you know, after my father passed away now, I mean, I'm a guy who at this point may be a little more in tune with the things he feels. I mean, I'm not yeah, not one of those guys that like, I like to hang all of my emotions on hooks and be like, look how great they are. I don't mean that, but I'm just saying like, yeah. I'm starting to understand, you know, the things I feel, whereas before I don't think I understood them. So when I was grieving, especially, it was so easy to do it alone. I didn't want people to see my emotions because I had a lot of them. And I isolated for a while. Mm-hmm. And, and I do think some of that might be normal and natural and maybe even healthy to a degree. But, you know, after a while, I realized I have isolated a little too much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you know, I said I was saying no to things I should be saying yes to when it comes to getting together with people. And so yeah. so I'm now on that stage where I'm starting to say, OK, I, I've had enough time in the hole. It's time to get out and go back into Gen Pop. <laughs> You yeah, know, well, I'm get sorry about that with your dad. That's a hard thing. Yeah, it's been a few years, and uh, yeah. and that still kind of like lingers on, man. But I, you know, I guess what they say is it never, grief never really ends. It just kind of transforms into a <laughs> a different kind of grief, you know. And I think that's where I'm at now, and recognizing that I made some some choices to isolate afterwards. Fortunately, I didn't, you know, I didn't get picked off, but it definitely did put me in a spot where it was a lot harder to rebuild some of those connections and relationships, you know? Yeah. I mean, they say that grief has those five stages. So there's denial, anger, bargaining, um, depression, and then acceptance, not necessarily in the out of order, but that last thing acceptance, it doesn't say it's going to be better. You still experience loss, but now you've learned to accept it and live with the pain, but the pain is, is there and will resurface and uh but you've learned to accept it so it's a process for sure i don't know how somebody can go through grief alone i just don't that would be really hard for me personally mm-hmm. because I'm a, i process verbally you know what i mean so yeah it was for i it, it was unusual for me honestly to approach it that way but it i there's a thousand reasons why i think it was convenient for me to kind oh, of hold up. yeah and and i mean i didn't cut off everybody i was still around but it was easier to kind of be connected virtually rather than in person. So like that was a time when I probably should have had people over to the house, right? I should have been more hospitable. I just yeah. didn't feel like it, you know? And so I, I think I just became a little less hospitable, uh, you know, in that time frame. But because of that, I did grow a little more isolated. So that's the things I'm working on now is trying to learn to be like, yeah, it's okay to have somebody over for dinner, you know? <laughs> and you bring, up, you bring up a good point, Josh, because you said I was around people. And I think that's what guys don't understand. Like, I've got a guy I'm working with. Um, he's just a train wreck. I mean, nothing around him is thriving. Uh, he's a, he's just got a lot of stuff he's got going on right now. And he hangs out with guys all the time. He hangs out with Christian guys all the time. But one of the conversations I had with him, I said, okay, you guys play poker regularly. So you're playing poker, you're smoking cigars, and you're drinking. I'm not saying any of those things are wrong. Don't hear me saying that, but I said, you, you know, what are, what are you doing in that moment to really lift each other up besides having fun? He's like, well, nothing. That's what we do. We drink, smoke and play poker. And I go, so these are Christian guys. Is there any Christian stuff that goes on in there? Nope. There's no talk about it. So it's, so he's hanging out, he's with people, but they're not benefiting him. Right. So, you know, there may be guys going, man, I got my bros. Well, the question would be, you got your bros, but are you guys doing anything that's below the surface. You know, my sons and I just went elk hunting for a week. We walked 57 miles in four days. It was brutal. But, you know, the hunting was great. But what was really good was the conversations that happened during the hunting. How's your marriage, boys? How, how are you doing spiritually? You know, having those conversations so it's not just about this fun thing. It's going to that next level down, right? And that's the thing is you need to be able to be the one in the group that says, Hey guys, you know, maybe you're asking them those questions so that they can answer and you listen. And then you can talk about maybe where you're struggling, you know, but be the one to start the conversation to take the conversation there. Mm -hmm. So many people dude. this is the thing that I'm working through right now is I'm, I'm challenging the people in my life when, when I ask them how they're doing and they say, fine, you know, and I know they're not fine. And I know sometimes I'm not fine. And just be like, dude, what's going on with you? 
how's it going? You know, and then trying to remember, oh, uh, Joe said that he was having some problems with his marriage. So then I'll ask him the next time I see him, Joe, how's things going with your marriage? You know, and like just to be intentional about having conversations deeper than how's the weather? Hey, how about them bills? You know, the the bills, because I'm near Buffalo and that's the sports team here that everybody loves. So that's funny. (laughs) The Buffalo bills, right? Well, the funny, yeah, I kind of, I've been doing the same thing. I've, I've, I've read some books on emotional, healthy leadership. And so those books, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Great stuff. And it's, it's led me to believe, holy cow, I've assumed a lot of things about people and I'd need to stop doing that. So I'm, I've stopped assuming that everybody's good and I've start, start, started diving deep and asking them questions. And then I have a motto and it just may sound cheesy on the outside, but I, I don't pray with people. I don't pray for people. I pray with people. Mm-hmm. So I have a buddy of mine last night at the barbecue. He said, I'm getting my knee replaced tomorrow. And I'm barbecuing. I got 26 racks of ribs going. I ran over, put my hands on him, prayed over him. You know, I had this young man reached out to me last night. He said, my friend just died in a car- plane crash. Can I talk? came over, prayed with him. So I try to really take these guys to a deeper spot, right? So it's one thing that I, I tell them, hey, man, I'm praying for you, bro. Ben, you put your hands on the guy's shoulder, or you get three guys, you put your hands on a guy's shoulder, and you pray with that guy, that's life-changing. You may say, well, I'm not I'm not a Christian guy. That's weird. Okay, don't do it. Get the, Why don't you do this, bro? You get your buddies together, put your hands on your buddy's shoulder, and give him a big old group hug. I mean, hug it out, man. Do something to yeah. tell that bro that you're there. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. if you don't want to pray it out, hug it out. <laughs> well, and, and that's the other thing too. Like, like we, we guys love to bust each other's chops and that is fun sometimes. Yeah. Right. And I'm not even going to say there's anything wrong with it. I think that playful banter is, totally. is a good thing because it, it builds you up a little bit. You know what I mean? It, it builds you up by tearing you down a little bit to keep you humble. You know what I mean? At the same time, what are we doing in our conversations to actually build the person up? Like if we're spending all of our time trash talking and only, you know, none of our time actually giving that person a compliment or, or giving that person good advice or listening, are we actually a good friend or are we, you know, a bruh, you know, no, I, yeah, a brother, a bruh, you know, I've got two guys here in, in McMinnville where I live that one's a pastor and one's a young life leader. And we started in 03 doing youth, uh, youth ministry together. And now 20 years later, you know, one's now a senior pastor. The other one's the area director for young life. And I've got my own ministry and, uh, man, we, we, and these guys are about five foot six. Five, five, they're little guys. And man, I, I just blow them up, man. I, Hey, you little, Hey, you know, and, and they're always talking about, Hey, little Husky there, Ramos. Can you touch your toes? You know, we're always just messing around. And I had uh, one of them fill in for me at my chapel service. And I wrote this bio for him that I introduced him on this bio, you know, and he's crying, you know, cause you know, it's like they need to, you know, there's the, I think banter is the love language of men. Right. But it needs the, it always needs to go deeper. And see, we're great at that banter, the smoking, drinking, and playing poker, talking crap. But what we aren't good at is going to that next level. And I'm not saying be all touchy-feely, watch Hallmark movies, and cry together and hold hands. I'm just saying, man, we've got to be able to go deeper into the lives of those dudes that we care about. Because, man, when that crisis hits, when our dad passes away suddenly, we need guys around us that can actually, that have been there with us before, or we've been with them before. And, and I think that's what guys are lacking. They're not alone. Some of them aren't alone, but they're lonely. They don't have anybody really there in their corner. Mm-hmm. Or even know that they should. I think that's something that I think yeah. a lot of guys are very ignorant to. They're like, well, I don't trust anybody because, you know, everybody's just let me down and, you know, and, and I, don't, I don't need anybody. Yeah, it's That's baloney, you know, baloney. Mm-hmm. Jim, um, so somewhere along the line, uh, as I was following you on, on TikTok, I saw something, which is funny by the way, cause like TikTok is like the place that neither of us feel like why I downloaded it one day. I'm like, why am I on TikTok? You know what I mean? And I started posting on it, but I was watching, I scrolled and I saw you and your posts were going viral, you know, yeah. you hiking and talking into your camera and, 
um, you know, out of breath. <laughs> yeah. I, well, my digital marketing uh, gal said, you're no longer allowed to talk when you're walking uphill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Talk on the level ground, man. Oh, man. Yeah. But, but uh, the, the posts that were going viral were like marriage advice, especially. Yeah. You know, uh, tell me a little bit about some of that advice, if you would. Yeah, we just had um, a video. I don't personally, it's funny part is I don't even have TikTok on my phone. It's something that doesn't benefit my life, you know, but but we realize that there are people out there that don't have dads, that don't have faith, but the truths of, of what Jesus said impact lives, whether or not uh, they believe that stuff. So one of my videos two weeks ago, three weeks ago, hit uh, two and a half million on Instagram and six and a half million on TikTok. And it was very simple. Very simple. Make your wife your lock screen and home screen on your phone. And that came from me talking to guys who were struggling in marriages, but they'll throw their phone up and go, look at that buck I shot. Look at that fish I caught. Look at my cute little granddaughter. Look at my kids. And I'm like, I remember one guy go, show me a picture of your wife. And he was really struggling in his marriage. He could not find a picture. I had another guy I was with on a, a hunting trip recently. I said, show me a picture of your wife on your screen. Your he could not, I go, what is, and I just was like, what does she look like? I haven't seen her in 20 years. He goes, man, I have, I'm having a hard time finding a picture. I go, bro, yeah. <laughs> that turned into a come to Jesus moment. And so that's a big one. I just was this morning. I'm going to do a, another video. Uh, Cause I got a lot of guys push on this one for some reason. And you know, the viral videos go viral because 10% of the people are really angry. So I had 10% of the people on that video going, you know, why should I do that? Or I have a droid or whatever, stupid things. So I'm doing another video. This is basic stuff. Hey, wear your wedding ring. So I used to have these guys go, oh, I can't wear my wedding ring. I'm a, I'm a, you know, I work in a machine shop and it'll cut my finger off. I'm like, bro, have you heard of silicon? This ring costs less than 10 bucks. So Dude. I'm really pushing on guys like get a wedding ring. I got so sick of losing my wedding ring that I went to my buddy tattoo tattooed on so that I can't lose it. Yeah. So, it's, is it that hard guys? I mean, you know what I'm so, so that video I'm teaching a biblical principle, right? The two shall be one flesh. Marriage is a sacred unit. It's a covenant, but I do it in a way that's truth. And guys are going, wow, I need to wear my wedding ring. And then the women are coming on. The reason why TikTok has gone so viral is the women are sharing all these things with their husbands. Hey, well, so, I, I'm going to need to make some more videos on TikTok that help. I, I I like to cut up the reels of our conversation, so I'm sure people may even be watching this, you know, yeah. this on there. But I I, uh, I I've recognized, dude, watching what you're doing, I'm like, man, it resonates because that's the audience for it. That's where people are consuming that kind of content, and so that's coming soon. By the way, my uh, let me clear my notifications so you can see it. My wife, uh, we did a photo shoot for our church for like a sermon series we did like years and years ago. And I had my wife dress up like Wonder Woman. Uh, that's so, so that's my lock screen. It's my wife, you know, in a Wonder Woman outfit. That's Linda Carter yeah. right there, buddy. Yeah, no, that's my <laughs> wife. So, uh, um, yeah. and, and you know what? That's the thing, man. Like, it's hard to go to places I shouldn't go to on my phone when my wife is looking at me in the eyes. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's a great deterrent right there. You pick up your phone and you're like, man, I should look up something I shouldn't. Oh, there's my beautiful wife. I'm happy. I don't need to go do that. Well, and that's one of the things I've, I realize is we're dealing with these guys in the stress bubble. You know, we've got a lot of guys out there that are raised, that were not raised by a father who was present. Either he was physically absent or emotionally absent. So we've got a lot of guys growing up and raising their kids. And they're like, man, I'm, it's all about my kids. It's all about my kids. It's all about my kids. And so we've got this helicopter mom, this bulldozer dad thing going on. And what's happened is in the midst of trying to correct what their parents broke, they've gone over the top and made their kids the center of the universe. And so what's happened consequentially is that marriages are suffering because both parents have made the kids the center of the universe. And that's just not the correct priority. It needs to be... The couple is the central, physical, tangible, earthly relationship of the family unit. And the children are outside of that. And so we make those videos, you know, speaking uh, biblical truth to guys. And, it, you know, especially second marriage guys. It rocks their world. And we're telling them, hey, that second wife you have, that's your priority over your kids. And they struggle with that because whenever there's a divorce happens, you move outside of God's original covenant. 
and design, and it just creates chaos. And so even the Christian guys are going, oh, I'm struggling with this. Well, that's not my problem. You know, my problem is to tell you what the Bible's teaching. And, and uh, whether you're a, a, a religious dude or not, it doesn't matter. That your wife, if your wife is not the, the number one priority over your children, you are going to struggle down the road. And I've got a lot of friends. I've been married 31 years. I've got a lot of friends married over 30 years. I see divorcing now because the kids are out of the house and they don't know what to do now because they, they have no relationship anymore. Yeah. Yeah. You've got to cultivate that because, and you know, and you let your kids know, right? Because yep, I can't tell you how sure. many times I, I, I remember telling my kids on multiple occasions, you know, guys, even if your mom's wrong, she's right. <laughs> now I, I wish honestly I, that, you know, knowing that I said that about her, I also kind of said it about me sometimes. And I had a little bit more of an arrogant spirit about parenting my kids. I wasn't wrong enough. Right. But that having that, that idea that they know that even if she's wrong, I'm backing her up, you know, and it would, it had to go both ways, you know, and if I needed to correct my wife because I thought she was wrong, we had that conversation privately. At least that yeah. was the hope. I know we didn't always get it right, but that was the goal and what we tried to do when raising our kids. Because if you try to do that, you know, you try to, to raise your kids and you're constantly arguing with your wife about how you're going to do it. Or, you, or, you mm -hmm. know, if your wife is their stepmom, same thing, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta be on the same page and know that you've got each other's backs. And if there's a disagreement, you can solve that privately. And then you come back and say, Hey, look, we're going to change the way we approach that. But you can't, you can't, you know, you leave that divided front and then your kids who are just as messed up as you are, are going to exploit it, you know? Yeah. Well, it's really interesting. I was with one of my youngest son about, I don't know, a year ago, six months ago, we were driving to go fishing and he said, Hey dad, if you had to choose between me or mom, if one of us, somebody had a gun to, and was going to shoot one of us, who would you pick? I go, mom. He said, how'd you say that so fast? I go, because it's always going to be your mom. It would be the hardest day of my life, but I'm always going to choose her over you guys. You And I've got three sons. They're 29, 27, and 25. I said, you guys just need to know I'm going to choose mom. I'm always going to choose her. And I love you guys. I love you guys so much it hurts, but you are not, you are number two behind mom. Well, behind, you know, in the human scale of things. Mm -hmm. And that's a hard, that's a hard place to get to. You know, and especially when a kid asks. And they need to know that someday they may have a relationship where they're number one. Yep. You Absolutely. Know, you you get that when you put in the time, you know? And Absolutely. Yeah. And and I will tell you, being a parent of grown kids, sometimes it's hard when your kid tells you, Hey, you know what? Uh <laughs> we're one over here and what we're doing over here, dad, this is too. <laughs> You're like, Oh, where's that coming from? You know, That was actually a conversation I had with my middle son. We were elk hunting. And, uh, I said, Hey, what's going on with you guys not coming over for Christmas? Cause my daughter-in-law's birthday is Christmas Eve. So the, and my son has a Christmas business called Christmas decor where he puts up Christmas lights. So he's what a fun business. Yeah. Well, it's exhausting for three months. Exhausting. <laughs> I said, Dad, listen, he said, I'm going to be working straight, two jobs, my full-time job and this Christmas job, all the way to Christmas. It's my wife's birthday Christmas Eve. We rented a cabin in the mountains, and he stopped, and he said, Dad, he said, this is my family. Mm -hmm. And I said, you're quoting your old man. You know, <laughs> I mean, he just quoted me. I go, you know what, son? I respect that. You know, you've got to do what you've got to do for your family. And so I I respect that. So absolutely, it's hard. See you New Year's. See you New Year's, buddy. Make sure you come over for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Thanksgiving something. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> it's funny. That's really cool. Okay, now I want to – I'm always uh, an entrepreneurial guy at heart. So I'm like, man, how can I start a Christmas business? That's awesome. <laughs> well, it's a company. You just – you would franchise into this company. Oh yeah, that's insane. That's awesome. Yeah, and so and he's the numbers of this company. It's growing, and in three months, he will earn a he'll earn more money in three months potentially than he will with his his full time job. It's a pretty a pretty it's it's you know you're going hard, you know, but they're charging top dollar to put Christmas tree lights up, and they're targeting you know older people that don't want to do it anymore or they're too frail to do it, and so yeah, they make some money. Yeah, and then they have to take them down. So probably that week after Christmas or however long they leave them up might be busy as well. Uh, yeah, it's brutal. That's, it's amazing. That's an amazing business idea. That's cool. Yeah, so. yeah. 
Wow. Yeah. See, now I got all the ideas flowing, man. That's awesome. Well, okay, you so, know, it's created. It's already its own franchise. Yeah, you just got to go. I'll tell you what it is offline. There we go. You know, that's the thing. Like, this is, you know, off the side, you know, there's always ways to make money, dude. <laughs> yeah. Whenever I see somebody that's struggling with work, I'm like, I get it. I've struggled with finding enough work and making enough money. But when you really stop and think about it, there's always a way to provide for your family. There's always something, you know? Yeah. It just, the key word is work. Mm -hmm. You've got to be willing to work. I, I interviewed a guy uh, a while back who he coaches dads who are getting divorced, right? About custody with the kids and all of that stuff. And he was saying that when he was fighting for custody with his kids, he had a, a lot of expenses come up that he didn't have the income for. So he started uh, a poop scooping business. He just put flyers out in his neighborhood saying, oh. I will scoop the poop in your yard. And he had he made a ton of money to be able to afford for his kid to travel back and forth between his mom and him and all of that. And uh, I'm like, dude, that's brilliant. It would be nasty. He goes, yeah, it's a nasty job, and I hated it, but – I didn't have anything else to do, and I was able to make the money I needed. So, Poop scooper. Who would have thought <laughs> that makes sense? I mean, nobody wants to do that. Nobody no. That. I had landmines all over the place when we had dogs. It was brutal. Yeah. I mean, it just turns into dirt if you leave it long enough, but if you can't leave it long enough, somebody's going to step in it. Well, it's that gray fuzzy phase that gets you. <laughs> <laughs> because... Because stepping in it and then tracking it in the house is even worse than if they just went in the house, you know? Well, the good thing about when it's like that, at least it's brown. When it gets white and fuzzy, you can see it easier. Yeah. And your wife goes, you never took up, you never did the poop scooping. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, man. Crazy. So, uh, Jim, tell me a little bit more. I know you've written some books. Why don't you tell me some more about the, the, the books that you've written? Yeah, I mean, we had a number one bestseller on Amazon called The Full Capacity Man, and it is uh, right over my shoulder right there. And that book uh, defines manhood as five things, and I think we talked about that on your show one time. And I've got five curriculum books that go with that book. Uh, we've got several other resources. We just put out a book called Help! I'm Starting a Men's Group, and it is a free book. We've got three free books online, and these books are probably 10,000-word books each. They're they're in between a booklet and a book. And so we decided to offer them free, and it just helps a guy to launch a small group, a, a group of his bros like we talked about today. Yeah. It helps a guy to do that. And then we've got a book coming out in January called The Men's Ministry Playbook, which actually helps men start an actual men's ministry in their church. And the one I'm really excited about, Josh, is um, we signed a book deal last couple months ago with David C. Cook Publishing. And in September, we're releasing a, a book called The Full Capacity Man. And it takes the 20 qualifications as of a spiritual leader uh, in the pastoral epistles of the Bible. And it, I've, I broke them down from the original Greek <clears throat> into uh, one-word descriptions that are positive in nature. For example, one of the, the, the qualifications is not addicted to wine. And that really is a poor, uh, <clears throat> it's really a poor explanation of what the verse really means and the the word really means it really means to be moderate in all things and to not have a substance control you so <clears throat> in the book we were able to talk about food uh, the drinks that we drink uh, tobacco alcohol you name it so it's just you know the word we put in there is moderation you know so we take and we, we do the we have 20 words they're all positive and 20 catchy subtitles and uh, this is a really really exciting book that men can put in their hands and go, man, any man, doesn't matter what you believe, right? Every man should be moderate. Every man should be vigilant. Every man should be a teacher. Every man should be a leader, You know, right? right? I mean, so it has 20 of these words, and we wanted it to be a book that any man can read and go, okay, I may not believe in this faith, but that makes sense to me. And I, I put a lot of hunting, fishing, sports stories in there. It's, very, it's a very masculine book. And I'm really, really excited about that. And that comes out in September of 24. Awesome. Can't wait to, to share that with our guys. Yeah. When it does. So when it comes out, let me know. And I'll, uh, I'll post it in our, our men's group online and we'll get it out there to the guys. Yeah. Sure. We could so probably awesome. donate some books to you guys to give away too or something. Oh, Hey, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Let yeah, me know. For sure. we, we'd have a good time with that. So, yep. Uh, all right, Jim, I like to ask my guests a couple of questions and, uh, I know we've asked you these before when we had you on the show. So, uh, but it's been a couple of years. So, 
your perspective may change. Maybe they seem fresh to you because it's been that long. So yeah, they do. <laughs> the well, first let's question, see what they are first. <laughs> all right. First question is this, Jim, what does it take to be a man? Well, like I said, I define it here, but to me, I'm just going to make it real simple. It, it takes action over words. You know, a man is as a man does. Uh, we are born male. We are male by birth, man by choice. So I would say a man just, it's, it's about action. It's about function over form. So all of those things are the same way of saying the same thing. It, you need to do something. What would you say are some of the things a man needs to do? Well, I mean, I think the basic things are he needs to accept, he needs, first of all, he needs to be a man who is a man of integrity, a man who is a man of honor and integrity. He says what he does and he does what he says. If a man is not a man of integrity, I don't care who you are, you will not be respected as a man. He needs to be a man who fights apathy. He fights against these things that are resisting him. So uh, as I get older, I'm really struggling with my eating and my, my fitness because I'm 57 and my body's you know dying basically because I'm getting older. And it's, res and it's fighting against those things. It's fighting against the uh, cultural norms. Uh, that that are antithetical to biblical Christianity. It's fighting against uh, it's fighting against those things that are trying to hinder my children or my marriage. So he needs to fight apathy. I think he needs to be a guy who seeks uh, God. He pursues God. He as he realizes he's a created being. He has to realize that he can't achieve his full potential without pursuing the God who made him made him and has a plan for him. It doesn't matter what you believe. I just believe that's true for everybody. And then he needs to lead those around him with courage and valor. He needs to realize that God has given him an arena in which he is to battle and lead those who and navigate uh, for those who care about him the most. And uh, that may be uh, his family, his marriage, maybe his community, his church, people in the workplace. And then lastly, he needs to be a guy who finishes what he starts. He needs to be a man who has grit, who has tenacity, who uh, is willing to persevere uh, in the midst of a suffering. And, and those five things, I think, really comprise biblical masculinity, in my opinion. Excellent. Excellent. Good answer, man. I appreciate that. Thank you. All right. So let's say that you are able to hop in. You know, usually I, I reference the DeLorean, but today, I'm, oh, baby. today I'm going to reference you hop into, uh, uh, the, the, the quantum leap machine, right? Whatever that yep. he's using there. Uh, yep. cause that show is coming out again. They're going to, they're doing like a reboot, which I think is kind oh, of awesome. Yeah. Quantum leap was a great show. So, so you're able to go back in time and you're able to visit the 10 year old version of Jim Ramos. Mm. What are you going to tell him? Well, the first thing I would tell him is wrestle. Don't play basketball. <laughs> you're made for wrestling, not basketball. So don't do basketball. Well, that's more tongue in cheek, but you know, at, at 10 years old, so the, so this is the first thing that popped in my brain was this. So when I was 13, on my 13th birthday, my parents gave me the, it's not your fault. We're getting a divorce speech to my little brother, my sister, and myself. So, and, and, and I would say 85% of that blame would put on my dad's shoulders for some choices he made. So I would say if I were to tell my 10 year old self anything, it would be, Hey, your dad is a human. He's going to make some mistakes. It's going to cause a lot of pain in your family. And you need to forgive him for that uh, sooner rather than later because he is going to uh, change and, and, and he is going to become better and he's going to apologize and he's going to deal with that. But you need to really know that's coming, be prepared and forgive him. <clears throat> so that, you know, I wish I, <clears throat> excuse me, I wish I would have known that. Uh, you know, because I mean, I real I was the oldest of the three kids, and I saw what was going on, and I was the one that was probably received the grunt of the. Um, I mean, he was just the hardest on me, you know, and mm -hmm. so I think for me, I, I I needed to tell myself that that that's what I would tell myself, mm -hmm. and and wrestle, wrestle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't waste time throwing balls. I, you know, I would also tell myself. Also, I tell myself. You need to invent compression shorts because those singlets are really embarrassing. So then I could make a million dollars on compression shorts. <laughs> because those jockey shorts in the 80s were brutal. <laughs> and jock straps were a nightmare. <laughs> oh. 
sleep. <laughs> I would say burn the jock before it gets. <laughs> Can you imagine the guy that made compression shorts? Do you know how much money he made? Because nobody even knows what a jock strap is anymore. Crazy. Crazy. <laughs> oh, man. All right, man. So last question for the men that are listening today. What is your best advice for them? Based on if I if I were to put today in context, I would say, man, you are your worst self in those times and seasons where you are isolated. Therefore, find a community of like-minded bros who are going to love and who will call you in, call you up, and call you out. Do not remain isolated, either physically or figuratively anymore. Good advice. Good, good, good advice. And I would echo that as well, man. That's, I think that's probably the best takeaway from this conversation today is that reminder, man, that we've got to do that. Yeah, it seems that was our theme today. It just went that way, you know? Yeah, and it all started because you told me about barbecue, so. Hey, I'm telling you, barbecue is bliss, baby. Barbecue is bliss. I love it. I'm going to – I have a – a friend gave me a, a fire ring with a grate that I can – you know, so I can make wood fires in my backyard but also put a grate over it to cook on. So I'm like, I'm going to try that quick ribs and see if see how that works. Well, I'm going to give you a pro tip on that. So what uh, you do with that with that fire ring and that grate is you – my brother-in-law did this. It's cool. You If you take a rod, like a piece of rebar, mm-hmm. drive it into the ground next to that fire ring – and attach that grate to it, somehow weld it or do something so that you can raise and lower it. Mm. The key is raising and lowering that grate so you can can you can't control you can control the flame, but you can really control how much flame hits based on the height of that that grate. So the height would be set at your four second mark, right? Yeah, and then you slowly kind of you kind of lower it as the fire burns. That's also dependent upon your pain tolerance. So we might have to find a better method for measurements. Well, or you can do what I did. I have no all my hairs are singed <laughs> off from us. You can do a singe test. If yeah, singes is too hot. Yeah, my do eyebrows. I'm like I could smell burning hair all day yesterday. It was all my hair. <laughs> oh, I, so I use a I use a Holland grill that uh, that uh is a that I, I my actually i won it for my dad by entering him into a contest and uh it's like an outdoor oven it uses natural gas but it uh you know the like the flame pan it heats up a pan and then you have your grill so it's like it heats up like an oven would and uh it was when i got it from him after he passed away it was packed full of junk so I was trying to light it and it wouldn't light. And I'm like, what's going on here? And then all of a sudden it lit and I got a fireball come out at me. And yeah, oh, of course, yeah, I had a really nice thick beard at that point and I lost quite a bit of it. So I had to, Hey, I'm going to tell you something though. Here's something I discovered. If you take a tri-tip and you sear it, you know, um, it, you like in, in the Traeger, in the smoking world, they'll call it reverse sear or something. Mm-hmm. Sear it first on both sides, put it in a cast iron, uh, griddle uh cast iron skillet and you put it in that 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 holland you have and and bake it you are not going to believe that tri-tip i i can't you are not going to believe how good roasted meat comes out in a in a gas oven if you sear it first i mean it's unbelievable how good it is I, i just did that for the same guys that I was cooking breakfast for, they came over to my house the week before and I'm like, guys, let's, we're, we're going to cook dinner tonight. And so they all pitched in and I got, uh, I got a sirloin tip, which is kind of the cheapest beef you can get around here, you know, and I had yeah. the, the butcher slice it up and did the same thing. I, I seared it on my, uh, Blackstone and then I popped it in the oven on low for quite a while, threw a bunch of butter on top of it. And it wasn't great cause the meat wasn't great. Yeah. But but everybody around the table is like, man, I haven't had steak in months because none of us can afford steak anymore. So we were like, it was perfect. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, I prefer olive oil over butter on meat. Oh, yeah? There, yeah, it, I feel like it adheres to the the seasoning. It adheres a little better, and it it, it, it just seems to do – Try just try olive oil. Try it and see what you think. It also it doesn't, doesn't violate any Old Testament laws, so <laughs> – that is true. We got to make sure we we uh, we got to make sure we stay kosher. <laughs> so don't eat pork. 
<laughs> oh yeah, yeah, we, yeah. You gotta have the beef ribs instead. Pork is out. Pork is out. <laughs> That's oh. funny, man. <laughs> anyway, uh, Jim, if our guys want to connect with you, what's the best way for them to make that happen? Yeah, I would say that we're all over the place as far as social media goes. But the best way to get a hold of me or to find our material and resources is just go to meninarena.org. Uh, right now, we're offering a, a book free online for these dads out there. It's called Tell Them What Great Fathers Tell Their Sons and Daughters. We also have a book out there called Man Laws, 101 Ways to Get Your Man Card Revoked, Rules to Live By. These are free resources. They can just go pick them up and read them. They're very, very well done, and uh, and that'll get them started in their journey. Awesome. Hey, man, I've really appreciated our conversation, and uh, I hope everything goes well with you, man. And can't wait to next time I'm in California, I'm going to look you up, and you're going to make me a barbecue. So. Well, I'm in Oregon, but I am on the left coast. So oh, yeah. next time you're in Oregon, you're from California. Yeah, you're right. Okay, I'm okay. from California. Yeah, I, that's what I said in the interview. I'm from San Luis, where the Santa Maria seasoning uh, style was invented, and I'm up here in Oregon now. But yeah, you get over here, man. You got a place to stay, and uh, you can choose what kind of barbecue you want, what kind of meat, and it'll be on me, brother. Sounds great. Sounds great. <laughs> that's awesome. All right, thanks, man. You got it. Have a great day. You too. Gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning into the Mancast today. Jim, thank you for sharing your thoughts with us, man. Uh, I appreciate the hard work that you're putting into helping men become even better men. Uh, guys, if you want to connect with Jim and the work he's doing, the links are in the show notes. So make sure you click through and check it out. Uh, reminder, guys, that if uh, depending on when you're listening to this, you might still have some time. December 16th, 2023, uh, the Machine Gun Preacher is going to be doing a live event here where I live in Bradford, Pennsylvania at Open Arms Church. And then he'll be on the 17th in Port Allegheny, small town in Pennsylvania, on the 17th. And uh, I'm, I'm letting you guys know because the whole thing worked out. He's going to be coming to town to do a podcast with me and to speak at these churches. So uh, we're really excited that that'll be something we'll be able to bring to you soon. But you want to come and check and listen to his story. Uh, Sam Childer's story is fantastic and amazing. And I want you to be able to to see the work that he's doing and the the crazy story that he's got. So make sure you check that out. Guys, if you want to level up as a man... I want to encourage you to get connected to the Manlyhood Man Cave, which is our private Facebook group for men. Uh, all you have to do is send a request and we'll let you in the group because we want to see you become the best man that you can be. We want you to have a brotherhood that has your back. And I know online brotherhood is only so deep. You need some real life brothers, but maybe this is a place where you can meet somebody and turn them into a real life brother. Uh, so join the Manlyhood Man Cave on Facebook and connect with the guys there. Anyway, guys, I just want you to know that I love you. I'm proud of you. And I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Manlyhood Man Cave. If you want to be a better husband, father, leader, a better man, you need to join our private Facebook group, the Manlyhood Man Cave. Join today. Please help us out with a like, comment, share, and subscribe. And check us out at manlyhood.com.